Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is May 15th, 2023, and this is episode 364. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. Uh, and on this week's show, we will put the printer on standby. We'll also get a visit from our most disinterested listeners. And we'll do that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? This evening, I am working my way through a homemade margarita. Mm-hmm. Uh, served in a Yoshi cup. Hmm. It's only a classy drink because it's it's from a Nintendo Yoshi cup. Do you know the game where Yoshi first appeared? I don't. Hmm. Okay. That's your homework for the week. That's my homework for the week. Charlie uh, Hoppus would know that immediately, and that's why me and Charlie are soulmates. But, he's um, better at this than I am. He is. Um, I am drinking a Cape May Brewing Always Ready Hazy Pale Ale. It's fine. It's a classic hazy pale ale. Not great. I don't know who left this in my fridge. It's doing the job. It's better than a Michelob. Whoever leaves things in Scott's fridge, feel free to come leave them in my fridge. Yeah. And if you want to see what's in our fridges, let us know. Come find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MEGN8606. And with that, it's time for a checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Let's swing into the medical wing, and uh, yeah, we broke this right in the middle of recording. Don't say break. We didn't break anything. Yeah. We uh, tweaked this out. No, 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 no. So we were stretching out, and um, you know, we felt something pop, and uh, we decided to report on it last week during the episode. Yikes. Uh, yeah, so Ramon Urias uh, is uh, currently on the IL with a hamstring injury. Hamstring ouchies. Yep. Uh, went on uh, the IL as of Tuesday, May 9th, the injury occurred on May 8th, um, and originally was slated to miss significant time as per the report. But since then, uh, Brandon Hyde has said that he's made significant progress, right. so I'm not sure who to believe. Yeah. He's been swinging in the cages. I don't think he's been doing anything more than that. Yeah, I mean, they, they're now saying two to three weeks, um, which is a lot better than I originally thought it was going to be, where it's going to be more like you know six weeks. Um, so I think it's probably going to be closer to three weeks. I mean, again, if you're looking at rehab and everything, it's going to take him a little bit more time than I think what Urias wants is two weeks. It's the best way to put it and get right back into the lineup. You know what that means, though? What's that mean? Looking forward to seeing him in Aberdeen. Do you think they'll put him at Aberdeen? Sure. If all they care about is having him run around, although maybe they don't want him running on turf. Right. I think they're going to put him at Bowie. <sighs> Fine. Yeah. Ruin my... Ryan McKenna's also been kind of nursing an injury um, with a little bit of a back aspect. Doesn't that make you feel a bit better that someone that young can have back issues? It actually makes me feel better because we saw Taryn Bobber go into the game as a late inning defender. And we were like, why? why? What is happening here? Yeah. Where is is Ryan McKenna dead? Yeah. Turns out not dead, but, you know, 
Ouchie. Ouchie. Yeah. So he's uh, day-to-day, but again, he was available on the bench as of yesterday. So yeah, no big deal here. It looks like just something to kind of monitor. Um, and then Michael Givens and Dylan Tate are inching so close uh, to kind of returning to the Orioles. Uh, you have to assume that it's kind of coming this week, and it's probably going to come maybe at the end of this homestand so they can go on the road trip with them. I'm, I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think that Michael Givens is is much closer. I think that he basically only needs one more appearance before he's ready. I think that Dylan Tate will be a little bit later, but it could be sooner than, than, we, than we think. It's certainly sooner than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, and again, that's going to raise a lot of questions in terms of who comes and who goes. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later um, uh, on that topic. Instead, let's go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. Uh, Jake, why don't you start us off? Uh, at the quarter waypoint, um, I guess we should probably start preparing uh, for this momentous event. That's right. Utah Street Report, who, of course, tweets at Utah Street Report, ST. We have our forgotten man, Bevy Winner. This, of course, is a quote tweet of Dylan Atkins and another bird's eye view. Uh, this week on the Twitter's favorite, who tweeted, Luis Torrens gets to be the honorary lone forgotten answer at the end of the year Orioles roster sporkle quiz. Yes, I firmly expect that we will have uh, Torres show up as the forgotten man for the bevies this year. Have we contacted anybody about the bevies this, yet, yet this year? What are the bevies? Oh, we probably should get to work on that. Hmm. You got some. You got some vocal stylings to do. Um, is the best way to put it. I've got homework everywhere in this episode. Yep. Um, next tweet comes from Alex. Uh, you can follow him at Ace Boogles or Boogie. Sorry, Ace Boogie nine nine zeros. Um, and he tweets as follows: They just market. Adley has reached Utah. Hashtag Birdland. Uh, always good to see Adley. You know, reach Utah Street. Hopefully, one of the first of many to come for him. I was surprised that that was the first one he had hit that landed on the street. I'm a little surprised, but not shocked is the best way to put it. Also, how long does it take to get a plaque out there? Uh, I'm assuming two or three days. I bet you it's out there now. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see what the turnaround time is. Can someone from the warehouse contact us? We would like to know um, who is your plaque maker and uh, what is his lead time currently? Next on this week on the Twitters, we have a tweet from Give That Fan a Podcast at Give That Fan a Pod. Of course, this is the fantastic podcast that you should also listen to, as you should the many other great Orioles podcasts. Who uh, who who podcasts on that? Doesn't matter. It's not important. No, it does matter. Do you know who who podcasts on it? Yeah, Ryan Balake <laughs> and uh, Paul Valley. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Um, <laughs> The tweet is as follows. Tonight on the show, this was, of course, on May 11th. Tonight on the show, we'll be joined by Orioles fan and pitcher list VP Alex Fast at Alex Fast at 8 o'clock. Tune in right here on our Twitter page or on YouTube where you can comment along and post questions. I love everything about this. Love Paul. Love Ryan. Really enjoy the work that Alex Fast does, not only because he is an Orioles fan extraordinaire, not only because of the facial hair, as you so accurately pointed out, uh, but he does a great job and he's a great listen. Uh, So when you're done listening to this show or, you know, right now and then come on back, make sure you check out that podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, listening. I always like listening to Alex, but I really enjoyed uh, having Paul and uh, and Ryan kind of have We'll call it fanboy out in terms of uh, Alex giving some details. 
Um, it made me feel better about myself. And I was just like, good, there are other people out there that fanboy over Alex and, uh, and that facial hair. Uh, next tweet um, is going to go into, well, Jake, um, we are not Baltimoreans, um, but we still like to apply an occasional political slash civics lesson uh, for our lis- listeners. Um, this tweet comes from Eric Alper. Uh, you can follow him at, at that Eric Alper. And is he I'm picture- sorry, which Alan, Eric Alper? That ah, Eric Alper. Got it. Uh, and it's an individual wearing a t-shirt that says, the mayor from Jaws is still the mayor in Jaws 2. It is so important to vote in your local elections. <laughs> <laughs> I love this for so many reasons. <laughs> First is that somebody obviously wore it to a baseball game because it is a, a picture taken at a baseball game. Secondly... That is somebody who had the thought and then couldn't get it out of their head, so they had to put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. This tweet was just for you, Jake English. Just for you. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. Last. <laughs> this tweet is... <laughs> this tweet's a roller coaster of, emer- of emotion, so let's just hold on. Uh, let's start at Kim Shuss. At Kim Shuss. Uh, KS1. I just read someone's tweet suggesting at simply AJ10 filling in as a guest, Mr. Splash, for a game or two this summer, and I need it immediately. Make it happen at Orioles. Hashtag Birdland. All right, that makes sense. That's a Absolutely perfectly reasonable request. It must have been a rough day in the booth because Rockabaco, who tweets at Mass and Rock, followed up with, I want to see Meringue come out of the hose. And Scotty... That's not what I was expecting in this conversation. You know, I'm pretty sure Peter Schmuck got a hold of Rock's uh, you know, Twitter account just for a brief moment. But yeah, I don't think you put out into Oral's Twitter that you want to see Meringue come out of the hose. Just don't think that's going to happen. Are you saying that there should be no Meringue near the Dong Bong? Um, all I'm saying is in a future season when the Orioles are not good... If the Baltimore Rons do not, in essence, name a pitcher Meringue Hose, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Me okay there? No, no, everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. And this uh, this margarita tastes different now. Well, everything is fine. And uh, it's that favorite time of the year uh, where we step away from the microphones and we turn it over to two consummate professionals that never listen to this podcast. So, ladies, it's all of yours. Hey, Birdland. Baseball Widows here. We're back. Happy Mother's Day, Sarah. Happy Mother's Day. It's a little late, but, you know, we've got kids and their lives are really busy. Yeah, they definitely are. So we're back for our Mother's Day episode. Apparently, Jake's second favorite episode of the year. Sounds about right. Um, No pressure or anything (laughs) for us. Uh, But we picked a good week for this episode. I mean, last week was a big week for Baltimore. And you got to witness it firsthand. I know. We were at the game on Friday. Oh, no. I meant, how was Lizzo? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amazing. Obviously. I mean, it was the day after she had strep and the woman sang her butt off. I am so jealous you got to go to that show. I think she's so talented. But um. I guess you were talking about Cedric Mullins. Yeah, heading for the cycle. That was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah, that was, that was cool. Uh, 
So what are we going to talk about today? Well, you know, when we were thinking about ideas for this segment, you know, I'm old, but I'm obsessed with TikTok. So I thought, let's do a Smasher Pass because why not? But then I remembered we're old and our team is really young. So that's creepy. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't going to work. So then we thought smash or pass managers because that's more our demographic. That hurts. Yeah. But then we looked into it a little more and realized it's actually not our demographic because <laughs> most of them are really, really old. But I will ask you, Sarah, you've got Buck and you've got Brandon. Who, who are you smashing? Who are you passing? Um, this was a no-brainer for me. Um, Buck is a smash. I don't know what it is. And I love Buck. And I will always love Buck, and I will always love the Buck years. There's something about Brandon Hyde. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I don't know. He's a pass for me. I'm not there yet. That's okay. That's okay. What if they make the playoffs? Would that change? I have the right to change my mind at any time. That is fair. All right. So let's talk about some other changes to Orioles baseball that we could smash or pass. What are your thoughts on the pitch clock? Uh, that's an absolute pass. Really? Why? Yeah. Um, it's making the game go really fast, and it just doesn't feel natural. Like it's just added one more thing to be stressed about when I'm perfectly fine with a you know a three hour baseball game. See, I kind of like it because I like that I get to be in bed at a reasonable hour, and I can watch a whole baseball game and know that it's going to be over by ten o'clock, and I'll get a good night's sleep. I kind of like it, and I think it's probably a commentary on how busy life is, and maybe in the grand scheme of things, that's not a good thing, but I I like the pitch clock. You're a smash on the pitch clock. I I really am. Oh, Carrie. What about when Felix comes out to close, and they have the wire stuff and the flashing lights and all of that? Smash or pass? So we saw that in person for the uh-huh. for me it was the first time I had seen that in person and I really really liked it. That's a smash for me. Same. It reminds me of the Jim Johnson years when they used to play the Foo Fighters and like the energy in the stadium. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I haven't felt that like communal energy yeah. in the stadium for a while. And maybe it was COVID and maybe it was just um, they were all talking team, for so long. Yeah, it was not so good, but um yeah, I, I liked it. All right, Definite I've got pass, or smash. I've got one for you. Okay. All right. What about this new splash zone that we got to see on Friday for the first time? Okay. So for those who may have just seen it on TV, I, I got a pass. I, I don't get it. Like I love <laughs> says the woman whose husband showed up with goggles and a swim cap. Oh, he gets it. And for those who don't know, I'm a middle school teacher, and I was asking some of my kids about it, and they think it is the best thing in the world. But it's a guy with a hose. And the thought of sitting through a baseball game (laughs) soaking wet, I mean, maybe I reserve the right to change my mind in August, but that does not appeal to me. However, I do like the idea of bringing in some fun and some camaraderie. I saw a tweet this week or last week about it, and it was like, why do the minor league parks get to have all the fun? And I was like, that's a good point. But I personally don't want to sit there. Same. I like it for the team. I like it for the fans. I do not like it for myself. You will never catch me sitting there. Yeah, not 
But our boys definitely absolutely can go all they want. What about Adley? When do you think about Adley always hugging the pictures? It's a smash for me. I love that kid. I love his energy. I love his positivity. Uh, I'm loving it. Okay. I love Adley. I, I agree with everything you said, but hugging, I am not a hugger. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> Hugs give Carrie the creeps. They really do. Don't, don't hug me. <laughs> All right. What about some of the – there's been some, like, rule changes this year. What about the bigger bases? Do you have a, a smasher pass on the bigger bases? You know, I was thinking about that, and I'm really torn. I feel like I haven't quite seen how it's going to play out in the season this year. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I am a pass on the bigger bases. Like, why Why did they have to change that? I do kind of feel Seems like... Seems unnecessary. Why are we reinventing the wheels? Like... What are we trying to change about the game with the bigger bases? And is it, is it a necessary change? I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with that one. All right. So I have another one that's kind of like that. Jake was explaining to me this two disengagements rule where the pitcher can only throw over to try to get somebody out two times. And if he doesn't get him out on the third try, he automatically gets the base. Pass. Like, if a pitcher has an opportunity, I feel like they should be allowed to take it and potentially get that out and not be like, oh, I really could have gotten that out, but, oh, it's the third time. Guess I can't try for it. 100%. Pass. I think it's ridiculous. Stop messing with the game. All right, I have one more like that. Okay. Uh, What about the ghost runner Uh, if the game is a tie? (sighs) Again, like maybe I'm old school and maybe – I don't know. I feel like that's a pass for me. I thought you were going to say smash because you wanted the game to be over faster. I mean, like, I was processing that as you were saying it. <laughs> I don't necessarily want baseball to be over faster if they're playing. I, I don't know. I'm contradicting myself. I know. But, yeah, I do like it to be over quicker. But I don't want the game to, like, completely be over. I just like going to bed early. Yeah. I'm yeah. a pass for that one, too. I want the team who's better to win, not yeah. the team who can advance an imaginary runner on second base. Right. That they didn't earn. Yes. All right, what else you got? So what about the Homer hose? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I am a major pass on that. A major pass? What yeah. gives you major pass? Um, I don't – I mean, they've they've turned it into something a little bit less college frat boy-ish, I feel like, in the past few weeks, but it gave real college frat boy vibes and, like – I take my 12-year-old son to those games, and he's on a travel baseball team. And I don't, like, I don't know. He's doing a beer bong, basically. Well, yeah, but there's no beer. Well, I know, but, like, <laughs> it's only going to take him a half a second to decide, <laughs> oh, wait, I can put something else in this Homer That's hose. Fair. I just, while I definitely get that, I'm going to smash it because I just love seeing our team have fun. And that just makes me so happy because having been a lifelong Orioles fan, there's been so many seasons and so many years and so many games where it felt like people weren't having fun. And I love seeing our young team have fun. Now, I see it. It might not be the best branding or the best imaging, (laughs) especially for young fans, but these celebrations and these fun things, and it doesn't require anybody to hug anybody else, you know, I'm going to smash. All right. All right. I'm going to pass on that one, but that's okay. Um, all right. Last one. Mm-hmm. 
the some of the games on weeknights are starting at 6.35. So you think that I'm going to smash this because I've just talked about how I like to go to bed early. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to pass. Because 6.30, when you have kids and you work full-time, like, 6.30, we are still in a dance studio or on a field somewhere or... Like, there's just no way that we can sit down and relax and enjoy a game. And 7.05 doesn't make that big of a difference. But, you know, if we get to settle down by 8, at least we haven't missed an hour and a half of the game. Right. But I still am a fan of early bedtimes. (laughs) I don't like West Coast trips. What about you? Um, I am also a pass. I absolutely despised the other night when I didn't realize that the game started early. And again, just like you, I don't get home from all of the kids' things until 8. And I went to put the game on, and I had missed almost all of it. Yeah. I was pretty mad. That's all right. I feel like we have a lot to smash this year. There are plenty things to smash, especially our current winning record. Yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day, Birdland. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Until the bevies. See you later. Scott, I'm not sure what to make of this, but as the ladies were leaving the the podcast studio, they looked us up and down and said pass. Do you yeah. know what that means? Um, I'm assuming that means we have a pass to continue recording this podcast. All right. In that case, we should do it. And while we do it, let's go ahead and go around the bases. And as we always must, let's start at first base. And at first base, I just want to give a mid-May report. We had been talking about it all season. May, 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 May. May is going to be tough. May is going to be so difficult. It's a rough stretch of games. Oh, just you wait till we get to May. Well, Scott, May is here. Excuse me. You got to do it right. No, it's you, not you, going you, to be May. You're going to have to do it. Just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. It's true. I, I have, I've, I've screwed this up. Yeah. But May is here. Yeah. How are things, how are things going? I mean, it's been extremely competitive baseball. Um, It's been extremely nerve-wracking baseball. Um, And perhaps it's a brief glimpse into what September slash October could potentially look like. I've got to be honest, in just, you know, what, four or five series or whatever it's been, I'm delighted with what I'm seeing. Yep. We were disappointed with the outcomes of the Braves games. Yeah. But not, I think, the the way the team performed. Mm Mm-hmm. You had to feel good about it. There's no way that you could have walked away from the Rays series not you feeling gotta be good about cloud it. high. Like I mean, and, and to be able to go two, one, and zero runs against the Rays, I mean, just a great performance overall. And then you take the series from the Pirates, and again, you know, they got off to a hot start, but they're still a good club, oh, sure. obviously. Uh, and you know, the Orioles are are getting shellacked here by the Angels on Monday the fifteenth, but have three more games with them. And when we looked at the schedule, Mm -hmm. that was one that I think I said, hey, if everything else goes right and, you know, the creek don't rise and all that stuff, and we split with the Angels. Sure. We we said last week, specifically talking about this, of like, if the Orioles could go 500 baseball during this extremely difficult stretch. Print the tickets. Print the tickets. And I know some people have pointed out there um, that they're like, well, the team really needs to go like 13 and 5 over the stretch. And I'm sorry, like that's absolutely ridiculous sentiment. Go 13 and 5 in a different stretch. Yeah. You just survive May. Correct. 
Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, outside of the Brave series, it's not even just, you know, survive May, it's go win series. Mm-hmm. And again, I know you lost the Brave series, but if you keep racking up series wins, um, awesome. Like, it's, this is great. Um, so, yeah, you have to come away from that that race series and you've got to come away from um, that pirate series and be extremely impressed with Baltimore Orioles baseball um, and just, you know, how close the games have been. I mean, the only game that, you know, I really felt like we had no chance was that Sunday game um, against, you know, against the Pirates. And it was just an absolute dominated starting pitching standpoint. I mean, you just ran into a buzzsaw. And, and really... The Orioles gave up four runs in that game, but it was the first time since, I don't know, the Braves series and and early in the Braves series that the Orioles had given up more than just a, a couple of runs, mm-hmm. right? We went through a stretch against the Braves, the, the Rays, and the Pirates where it was zero to three runs. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at this at this team at the beginning of the season, what were we worried about? Well, there was a time we were terrified of the bullpen. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. There was a time that we were terrified of the starting rotation. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. But you look at that and you say, well, for stretches at least, they can do the job. And it's interesting because they did the job during, say, the Tampa Bay uh, series when you go up against great pitching, which the Rays clearly have, and the offense is a little more quiet. But if you can win games at, you know, four to two, two to one, Again, with the Pirates, you know, 2 nothing. even in some of the losses, like 3 nothing to the, the Rays or 3-2 or to two to the Braves, you look at those and you say, okay, I'll take that from this pitching yep. staff. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Orioles are just playing extremely good baseball. And again, you know, they're going to suffer stretches. I mean, I think back to that three-game loss streak that they had and everyone's losing their mind. Like, they're finally crumbling. And it's just like, or, you know, it could just be a situation where – you know, they ran into some really good teams and we're going to move on past it. We're going to try to get better. Um, it's the best way to put it. So yeah, it doesn't really bother me whatsoever. I am really enthused with what I'm seeing and it's great because the team is performing well. It's, it's different and hard because the losses, it's different and difficult because the losses, you, you know, are a tough pill to swallow because you think of what could been, mm-hmm. what could have been, there are so few games where we're just blown out of the water. Oh yeah, right. And so every pitch matters, every decision, every swing, every play you you replay in your mind on the nights that they lose. But gosh, this is fun to watch. Yeah, the team is really performing well, and uh, you know I'm I'm delighted with what I've seen. If I if I may gush for just another moment, sure. We beat up on this team all the time for their dumb business decisions. I'm also glad to see that the team is starting to do things like, hey, let's do a flash sale to see if we can uh, sure. throw us more butts in the seats, right? It's things like that along the way that is just super, super fun to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So really fun baseball, really competitive baseball. Yes, the Orioles are going to lose um, in, in instances, but let's move on past it and uh, you know, and just enjoy the good baseball. Last thing, I, I promise. Last sure. thing here at first base. I'm, I'm pulling up, but we'll, we'll continue yeah. on. This is your second engagement, by the way, to this first base. <laughs> I one thing that I am finding myself in is in awe of how much I'm enjoying the character of the team. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really jumped out at me the other night was Tyler Will. Tyler Wells, after a great game, mm-hmm. pitched just a great game. Probably was, the best starting pitching performance that we've seen all season. Yeah, and and possibly of his career. Right. Um, he was asked about his start, and the first thing he said 
was what a great game Hadley Rutschman called, uh, yep. called. And it made me think back to uh, earlier in the season when Wells had had pitched five out of the bullpen. And that next day, Kyle Gibson had a great game. And the first yep. thing he wanted to talk about was how Tyler Wells, you know, set the bullpen up uh, so well. This team's uh, genuine uh, affection for one another yeah. is infectious. It's so much fun to watch this team. It's so easy to root for these guys because night after night, not only are they pulling out Orioles magic, but they're just, they seem like a really good bunch of dudes. Yeah. A lot of good character and a lot of good fun time. All right. I'm going to, uh, after that second game, I've disengaged all of them. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and steal second base now because you cannot keep me on. Um, and we're, we got an extra three inches. So don't, uh, six inches. So don't, don't, uh, I could use an extra six inches. Um, so at second base, uh, we're going to go to a conversation that we had on uh, Friday evening while watching the Orioles play. Um, and Jake, you turned to me sitting in the stands and he, you said, Hey, Yankees are beating the Rays. And I said to you, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And you said, it's a good thing. And I said, is it? Um, and my question is this to you, Jake. Um, you know, we are in second place in the American League East. Say it again. We, we are in second place in the American League East. Mm. Uh, we are four games back from being in first place from the American League East. And we're about four games above, you know, the last wild card spot as well. So we're kind of right in the teetering middle is the best way to describe it. Um, and at that bottom right now is the Yankees in terms of being that last wild card spot. So, Jake, I ask you this question. Extremely long season. Who are you most scared about for the rest of the season? The Rays or the Yankees in terms of stealing a playoff spot from the Orioles? I mean, it's got to be the Yankees. Okay. It's got to be the Yankees for a couple of reasons. But a lot of it has to do with past trauma. Yep. Right? And part of it also has to do with the fact that if the if the Rays have an historic season, mm-hmm. if they go wire to wire and are just incredible for the rest of the season, I feel like we'll have no other option than to tip our cap and say, wow, yep. they were great. They were so fun to watch when they when they weren't playing us. Awesome. The Yankees come back and are excellent. I'm going to be so pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be so pissed that one of the best starts in in recent memory for the Orioles has the possibility of, you know, being ruined by more Yankee devil magic. Like yep. it would be traumatizing. So yeah, I'm I'm more afraid of the Yankees because of of my damaging past with them as a ball club. Yep. Weird, weird stuff happens with them. Yeah, exactly. Weird stuff happens. And I mean, I even think back to that Rays and Yankees series where it was 6 nothing with the Rays mm-hmm. um, and the Yankees clawing their way back and winning that game. And actually, I know the Rays did the same thing earlier in the season to the Yankees. So it, it kind of is funny how it kind of all comes full circle. But I look at it over the long season and I say to myself, the Yankees have underperformed so far part of the season. Part of that is because Judge was on the I.L., their IL is full. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of guys on the IL. But I look at, you know, the talent that is on paper there, and I'm like, that could be a sleeping juggernaut come July, August, and September. And I want to put as many games between us and them as possible. So, I mean, it's a it's a tough situation. And again, we're going to see a lot of these AL East matchups where it's the Rays versus the Yankees or the Rays versus the Blue Jays or the Blue Jays versus the Red Sox. And... The, since the entire division is so competitive, it's almost like I'm not sure who to root for there. 
um, in terms of, you know, trying to stay ahead of them in the standings. So I think we just need to agree um, that we should never cheer for the Yankees. We should never say, I'm glad the Yankees beat the Rays or the Yankees beat anyone. Um, in reality, we should just be hoping for as many ghost runners as possible in those games. And, you know, the Yankees, again, before the end of tonight's game, because I, I don't know what the scoreboards look like all over the league, I think the Yankees are down to the Blue Jays 5 nothing. I think they're up right now 5 nothing uh, to the Blue Jays. Crap. Yeah. Anyway, right now, the Yankees have a 548 winning percentage, yeah. which would be good enough for second place in every division except the AL East and the NL West. Right. I mean, you can only keep them down for so long. Right. And, you know, I think I said it when we had our, our season predictions. And I believe you said to me, you know, well, I think the Orioles are going to finish third in the American League East. And I said, well, that's the case. And the Orioles are going to the playoffs. And I certainly believe that fully at this point of like the AL East is easily going to send two playoff, um, you know, teams wild cards, yeah. for the wild card. I think the big question is, does that third come from the AL East or does it come from the AL West? And I think that's my only question mark right now. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and it's also why, you know, games such as, you know, this series against the angels, and then also the series that we had against the Rangers are so important. Um, because when that tiebreaker comes up and we covered this last year, there is no more tiebreaker games. It is whoever had the best record in, in, in the regular season wins the tiebreaker and goes to it. And we covered that a little bit last year with the Mariners um, the twins and the rays who were all kind of in this wild card spot. And we're like, the Orioles always had a losing record against those three teams. So in essence, you always had to be one game better than them on that aspect. So again, something to keep an eye on as it relates to not just, you know, East coast baseball, but also those West coast teams, such as the Rangers, the Astros, um, and the angels having a winning record against them in the regular season, may be a really big deal come the end of the season. Here, here. All right, let's head over to third base. And at third base, I want to do a little bit of rosturbation. Sure. Some interesting moves yeah. over the last, even the last week. I mean, you look back and you've saw, you've seen things like uh, Drew Rahm yeah. get called back up or get called up because we had, you know, some some thin bullpen experience. You've seen Luis Torrens uh, into the roster and off of the roster. Yeah. But, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about it. Now, the, the most recent is Kyle Stowers down, uh, Logan Gillespie and Nick Vespi uh, called up uh, to the major league level. You know, Joey Ortiz is yep. back. What do you make of the of the moves as of late? All right, so there's there's I completely agree with you that the Orioles have been making roster moves upon roster moves upon roster moves, and here's what I would say, and I think a lot of people would agree with this um, based off of what people have said on Twitter. It's really encouraging to me that the team is in essence making these moves and in essence extending their 26 man roster to being almost a 30 or 31 man roster um, in order to keep the bullpen going. Uh, to pull in a uh, you know, positional player that might have a decent matchup. We talked about this with the Joey Ortiz in, in the in the Tigers series. Um, so I think it's great. I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think the Torrens move that they made is still, I, I don't understand it still weird. to this date, really weird. But everything else I've kind of got is the best way to describe it. I mean, and it's a weird situation with the relief pitchers. I mean, they pulled Drew Rom up, never used Drew Rom. Pulled Nick Vespi up, never used Nick Vespi. But again, 
they're saying, you know, in a situation, if there's a blowout, we can pull this person in, use the arm up, um, and in essence, you know, preserve the bullpen, as it were. Um, so, I mean, overall, I, I can't really find much fault here um, in terms of the roster moves that are being made. Um, it, it makes sense is the best way, best way I can put it to me. And yeah, I was very critical of the of of the organization in the offseason for not doing enough. And in past years, I feel like we've seen so much manipulation for service time and whatnot, not wanting to rip the bandaid off, um, you know, not wanting to break the seal, so to speak. We don't have that approach right this year, right? We don't have that at all. And, you know, once I think once Grayson Rodriguez came up, it was like, well, every everything goes now. Anything that can help us at any time for today. Yeah. The Orioles are living for today. That's great. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, I do wonder, you know, you look at some of the moves that the Orioles have done where they've bought up, you know, Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, we've seen Taryn Varva make an appearance. We've seen Joey Ortiz now make an appearance. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, part of this is because, you know, Ramon Urias is not available off the bench. And I think the Orioles are trying to figure out how are they going to manage that aspect of not being able to have Urias come off as a pinch hitter mm-hmm. or also serve as a third base option. Um, so I think that has kind of, you know, I wouldn't say stressed the Orioles, um, but I think it's kind of put a highlight on the aspect of, you know, not having Urias come off the bench and or being a fielder may is maybe putting us some additional pressure on the rest of the rotation, uh, rest of the roster. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, you look at how the infielders are doing as a whole. Adam Frazier has to play every single day now. Um, Jorge Mateo has to play at shortstop every single day. And he's scuffling right now offensively. And Gunner is playing third base every single day. And I'm not saying that Gunner is playing a bad third base, but I'm also looking at Gunner playing third base. And I'm like, I don't think he's a long-term third baseman based off his arm strength. I think he's probably a shortstop slash second baseman. Um, so I think it's highlighting some aspects going forward of, you know, without Ramon Urias on the team, um, you know, I'm not saying infield gets weak, but maybe there's a few more cracks showing um, as of as of late. Sure, absolutely. A great versatile player like Ramon Urias, the reigning gold glove third baseman. Of course, you're going to miss that absence. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's also standpoint, I mean, Derek Arnold's probably, you know, screaming at his, you know, phone right now, listening to me talk about Ramon Urias in a positive light. But again, even him hitting with runners in scoring position, you know, Ramon Urias has done really well with that um, over his Orioles tenure. So I don't know. I just look at that infield now of Mateo, Frazier, and then Henderson at third. And I say to myself, it just seems a little bit weaker than normal. And that's just me. The Orioles have infield depth to use. And a willingness to do it. Joey Ortiz is here. Westberg is down there. The Orioles have a lot going on in the infield. We we talked before the season started about how the Orioles were going to make room for these guys. Yep. I think we're clearly not going to replace a Ramon Urias, um, you know, from from the minors and get a one for one replacement, but. I think when we talk about re- the you know average replacement value, mm-hmm. the Orioles have it and then some. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of batters um, who are kind of increasing in value, let's go into home plate. Um, and is Anthony Santander kind of returning to form? Is he back? Is he back? I'm going to say yes. Okay, 
I'm going to say that Anthony Santander is back and he's showing life on both sides of the ball. Okay. I think that Anthony Santander's defensive prowess was something that I failed to respect mm-hmm. early on, or maybe even middling on in his career. And it's something that I was, I was, you know, begrudgingly more impressed with and then watched early in the season, not being, you know, not, not feeling like I was getting this new Santander I was promised who was, you know, useful in the sure. field. Uh, and this is not related to that ridiculous snow cone sure. catch where he, you know, failed to track it appropriately and right. yada, yada, yada. I, I'm not saying that that was a great play. That means he's back defensively. This is all because he can play first base now too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> He, he gives the club more options. I, watching, I've been trying to watch Santander a little more critically, particularly with his at-bats, and I think he's having m- many more quality at-bats. Of course, that's leading to you know driving runs and being more of a force in the middle of the order, but he's having positive outcomes in at-bats, and for a while he just looked lost. I, I'll say it. I think Santander is back. So over the past 30 days, Anthony Santander has a 300... Uh, 301 average, 368 on base percentage, 548 slugging, uh, good for a 151 weighted runs created plus. Um, so, yeah, that's a really healthy 30 uh, day number. Um, that puts him right in line currently with Cedric Mullins, who has 159 weighted runs created plus over these past 30 days. Um, and, and I would ask you this question. I mean, one thing that I've kind of noticed, and I know it's kind of came up in the broadcast, is it feels like to me when Anthony Santander plays the field, he does better at the plate than at DH. So my question to you is this. Is Anthony Santander the next left-handed Trey Mancini? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready to emotionally tackle that question, but maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. You know, he had a, what, 150 weighted runs created plus? Yep. His last couple of seasons, and I, I know you can't go any further back than 2021 before things get really squirrely yeah. because of the, the shortened season. But his weighted runs created plus in 2021 was 92. It was 120 in 2022. I mean, I think that 110 to 120 is really going to be his sweet spot as a, as a good player. Which right? again, comes back to the question, is he the next left-handed Trey Mancini? You don't want to say it. He's a switch hitting Trey Mancini. That's that's fair. But yeah, I I think Santander may be back and possibly at a great time Uh, because again, you know, the Orioles weren't firing on all cylinders, and I I would say still aren't firing on all cylinders. Gunnar Henderson is is showing much more life than he was, Uh, and and Cedric Mullins has really turned it on over the last couple weeks in in a big way. Uh, Austin Hayes is doing great uh, for you know for what he needs to bring to the team. So again, I think that Santander turn you know showing up who you know who we thought he was going to be. Yeah, if he can continue while other guys are scuffling and then you know hand the torch back and forth all season, boy howdy. Yeah. So coming into tonight's game, and obviously he hit a home run this evening. Uh, he was at five home runs last year. He hit thirty three home runs. Do you think it's possible that he could flirt again with 30 home runs? Sure. I, especially because I feel like he's the kind of streaky hitter that he's going to just, you know, bang six, seven out in a week and be right back in that chase. Yeah. All right. That's that sounds good to me. And like I said, let's see what happens if Santander continues this. But certainly um, a really nice, you know, 30 day stretch there for him. Um, well, with that, 
Um, we've got to also figure out, you know, who was clutch this week. Was it Adam Frazier or is it Jorge Mateo in Fantasy Boss? How is this physically possible? I think it's just because Jorge Mateo has been so poor as of late. But somehow Adam Frazier beat Jorge Mateo with a clutch of 0.05 to Mateo's 0.00. Scotty, I really thought I had this one in the back. I thought you did too. I, I really thought I had gotten it. The best for this week was Adley Rutschman at 0.28. Um, so again, really highlighting uh, some differences in that aspect. But yeah, somehow I scraped it out once again this week, uh, and I take a, a five nothing lead you, at this point. You can say it. You can say commanding five nothing. I'm going to say I'm the Tampa Bay Rays of this podcast, and and I am not the New York Yankees. You do not need to be worried about me at this point. I disagree entirely with that assessment. Uh, so Jake, um, you know we're 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 not there yet, but at some point I'm going to have to start pulling out wild cards just out of self defense. Out of self defense, I completely understand. So uh, what's your category going to be for the week this week? You know we tried clutch. Yeah, a little out there. Yeah, I, I thought maybe that would save me. It didn't. Yep. So we're going we're going back to the meat and potatoes. Okay. Dongs. Okay. I'm gonna let you pick first. No, I pick the category. You pick the player. No, no, we're not we're not this isn't pity. We don't need fantasy boss pity, Scott. I have won enough fantasy boss to know the sweet right. taste of victory. You you pick the player. Fair enough. Uh so I am going to go with Ryan Mountcastle for my dongs category. It's a great pick. Uh I'm I'm feeling a little conflicted about mm-hmm. this. I'm going to go with the hot hand and hope that Cedric Mullins keeps hitting him out. He is uh, doing an amazing job as of recently. So let's hopefully that Cedric Mullins can keep up the pace, hit some home runs, especially for his fan in the stands. Uh, and, and hopefully Cedric Mullins dominates this week. And and I hope that he, he wins by a tally of like, you know, 12 to 10. 12 to 10. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, we will figure out who owns it this week. Um, And with that, let's go over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get us started for my good. My good this week is Austin Hayes. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I didn't want to go into too much detail because I, I wanted to listen to the sound of my own voice in this segment. Uh, but I I think, you know, even though there were some other players that maybe perhaps had a more impressive week, mm-hmm. I love when Austin Hayes does well. And, you know, we've talked about you know, is this going to be the year that he manages to stay healthy and put it all together? But as one of those supporting players, right, as the uh, complimentary Jonathan Scope-esque player that that Austin Hayes can be, I'll go as, as bold as to say, as goes Austin Hayes in the 2023 season, maybe so go the Orioles. Yeah. If he can put together a crazy, you know, good stretch, 
and help the Orioles win, you know, maybe that that is going to be the difference. And players like Austin Hayes this week, he had a good week. It was 117 weighted runs created plus. Now he did have a 421 BABIP, so yeah. you know he was he was fortuitous this week. But hey, sometimes that's how it goes. He was good this week. Yeah, so my good is going to go to Tyler Wells. So again, I thought had mm-hmm. a really immaculate start. Um, I know that Anthony Santander kind of bailed him out in that one, you know, inning in the seventh inning when he started getting tired. But overall, I thought that Tyler Wells pitched outstanding for the first six innings. I mean, I thought it was the best starting pitching performance that we saw. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I, you know, I don't think that can go overlooked. I mean, Tyler Wells currently, I think, is leading the majors right now in whip. Um so that's kind of cool is the best way to describe it. So, And you and I talk about this all the time. You know, we we both want Tyler Wells to be forced out of the starting rotation because we've got better options. But yep. we also are into the Tyler Wells experiment as a starter because of this. Correct. All right, Jake, I'll let you take the next one. I'm actually going to break the rules. Okay. We have to extend good this week mm-hmm. of all weeks. Scotty, you and I were there. Yep. So let's talk about Cedric Mullins hitting for the cycle for the seventh time in franchise history. Yep. That was incredible. An electric performance. Absolutely. Just an amazing performance by Cedric Mullins. And again, a really great offensive performance for these past 30 days leading the club with 151 weighted runs created plus. Um, Also some really great defensive plays. Again, we continue to see it. Um, Cedric Mullins is, uh, you know, putting out a a reservation right now for finally getting that gold glove. Um, So absolutely, Cedric Mullins deserves to be called out for for a good performance. You and I happen to be there, and it's getting comical at this point because I I, I missed Jonathan VR, Mm -hmm. but I have been in the stands for Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes. I've been there for... Were you there for Aubrey Huff? Aubrey Huff, and I was there for uh, Felix PA. Yeah. I mean... At this point, I've been to a majority yeah. of Orioles uh, cycles. I didn't. I I missed his single, mm. and so I didn't realize it was a cycle until it flashed on the screen. Uh, it's so great to be a part of, and I really love the team sending him out there by himself to to receive yep. adulation in that. Yeah, I I thought the same thing of like when he came back in. I was just like, ah, it's a tough aspect because it's no two outs call. and like no curtain call. But I really like the club, in essence, giving him 10 seconds to kind of go out there on his own. Um, what I heard Adam Jones basically said, why don't you go ahead and take the field first? But It's one of those things that we talked about before where, you know, they're, they're tight like that. Yep. I'm sure that was a very easy call. Yep, absolutely. All right. So the good, good, good aside. Yep. My bad for this week is going to go to Jorge Mateo, who had a, wait for it, negative 83 weighted runs created plus a... 0.049 WOBA. And, and while we're at it, a 0.0 clutch. Yeah. And again, this comes back to the point that I was making earlier, specifically about the renewing year standpoint. I feel like the Orioles are, you know, looking at it and saying, we've got to keep putting Mateo out there at shortstop based on the defensive aspect that he has. But it certainly looks like Mateo could use a day or two off. Yeah. And remember, this was the hottest hitter in baseball sure. for a while, right? And we knew he was going to regress. We knew it. Yeah. But again, it's it's not even just a traditional regression. It's also, you know, that plate discipline that he had earlier in the season where he wasn't, in essence, chasing at balls, you know, slightly off the plate, you know, down around his knees. He's just not seeing the ball very well right now. So he need, like I said, if it were me as the Orioles, I'd say, Mateo, we're going to give you a day off. We're going to shift Gunner to shortstop. 
we're going to put, you know, Ortiz at third base and Frazier, you're going to play second base. And I just see what Gunner can do at, at shortstop. I mean, Gunner hasn't been that great at third base that makes me say I can't move Gunner around in, in the infield right now. Yeah. And the, the other thing that's interesting about the Mateo struggles is that he's not pressing because the team is losing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it is one of those things where uh, it's the individual performance portion of this team sport where he is just struggling. Yeah. All right. My next one is going to be my good. Uh, it's going to be uh, Yannier Cano and Felix Batista both um, under my good category. We've done the good. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you didn't hear the news? No. Uh, the Orioles are really good. Oh, really good? Really good. So this aspect that you're even covering bad is, is farcical is the best way to describe it. So uh, my good... For the you gave me crap for breaking the rules, and you're going to go good, good, good. That's, you know, that's fine. That's fine. Tell me about Yannier Cano. I mean, you just look at Yannier Cano, and you look at Batista. Cano coming in in that Saturday game um, and just absolutely dominating, and then Batista's coming in and absolutely dominating. I also come back to that Friday game that we were at, too. You know, Voth comes in, um, doesn't do great, kind of puts a few bases. This is my but, sh- listeners. You can't see it, but this is my shocked face. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Batista comes in and basically shuts it down. And, again, Batista certainly has had some issues this season in terms of command. His walk rate up is immensely, but his K rate is at 18 Ks per nine right now. Like the guy is absolutely filthy. And yes, I realize that he has had some issues this year, but the stuff is still there. And that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, you look at him and you look, look at the command standpoint and it looks like he is having some issues in terms of how he's opening up his shoulder slightly. But when that shoulder is, you know, pointing correctly at the plate and is not opening up too quickly or too late. I mean, Felix Batista is is just an amazing pitcher in terms of stuff. So, you know, that combination of Batista, Cano, and then hopefully a combination of, you know, Dylan Tate and Michael Givens, um, potentially by the end of this week, um, really exciting things for the bullpen going forward. Yeah, we we could go from having a pretty good bullpen to being a, a pretty scary. You could bullpen. be a top five bullpen yeah. in Major League Baseball. I mean, there's no doubt about it in my mind. And and we've been looking at performances from guys like Brian Baker sure. and Mike Bauman has been useful. Yeah, and and those guys who are getting meaningful late uh, late inning appearances. And assuming that he makes it, I don't think he will. Yeah. But can you imagine if, like, you had seen El Perez to go come in the fifth or sixth inning? Yeah. And then have all that firepower behind him? Like, good lord. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what we keep saying. I mean, I, I, we started this season, and I said, I just don't think the Orioles are going to be good enough from a bullpen standpoint. And that was my major reservations. I don't know how much longer Yannick Cano can be this dominant. But again, you look at the stuff. And you look at how he's performing, and it's less like, he's not going to be this good, but if he can be even a sliver of this good, he is going to be a great 7th or 8th inning relief pitcher. So, Especially when those guys come back and he doesn't have to be Right, exactly. Good. So again, I think, you know, coming back to the good category, there's so much dominance in the bullpen. Um, and again, I, I focused on Cano and Batista, but you're absolutely right. Like, we can't scoff at someone like a Danny Colomb, um, mm-hmm. a Brian Baker, even Voth has had a few decent outings. I realize it didn't work out well from on Friday. Um, but overall, the bullpen has been been throwing. Um, and it, it's it's really impressive, um, is the best way to put it. So I'll let you take the next one. My ugly, I guess, yeah. we're doing this. My ugly is watching Grayson Rodriguez learn hard lessons at the Major League level. Yeah. I mean, tonight specifically was a really 
brutal game. And I'm not saying that the Orioles would have won um, if uh, Grayson would have pitched better. Um, because honestly, a bunch of the relief pitchers also kind of got hit around today. I mean, the Angels are just making really good contact. I think they had 16 or 17 hits on the night. Um, but yeah, this was eerily similar to that Kansas City game where Grayson got knocked out early. Um, he left a lot of balls kind of floating in the zone. And you just can't do that. It's one thing, you know, and I know people are going to harp on me about this, but this is one thing that people kind of mentioned um, coming out of spring training when I was like, Grayson needs to be up here or, as, as opposed to Tyler Wells. Tyler Wells does a really nice job with pitch location. And I know Palmer has mentioned this before, um, specifically where like Tyler Wells does a really good job of mixing up pitches and then executing on pitches from a command basis. He's not going to overpower you, mm-hmm. but he can, you know, flirt with the edges is the best way to describe it. So um, I, I think this is raising a really tough conversation with Grayson Rodriguez, which is, you know, I want to see Grayson Rodriguez up here. I want him to get that, you know, maturity. I want him to get the experience as it were. Um, but again, you know, it's also a matter where, you know, the Orioles are in a unique position where every game matters right now. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, we had said before, you know, several weeks ago that we want him to stay up um, and we want him to see a little bit more seasoning and maturity um, at this level. Cole Irvin has been pitching pretty good in AAA for the past, you know, three or four starts. At what point do you look at it and say, I'm going to put Grayson down there and um, potentially bring Cole Irvin up? I don't know. It's it's not a crazy question. Yeah. I'm not offended. It's, it's a the really question. difficult question. Be- because, you know, and you bring up the difference between Grayson Rodriguez and Tyler Wells as far as their location is concerned. When I look at that, I think to myself, Grayson Rodriguez has never had to locate. Yep. His stuff beats AAA. Correct. Beats AA batters. Yep. This is the level that he can't do that. And so Correct. he's having to learn to pitch differently. And the, and the only way to do that is is through painful lessons. Yep. But to your point, yep. this is not a charity. Correct. We're going to win this season. Right. If this was last year, I'm okay with it, actually. Right. Um, but this year... With you being four games away from you know first place, I think we're four and a half now after this evening. Off the best record in baseball. Right. You've got to start looking and saying, okay, like how many more seasonings do I give him or do I put him back into the minors, get him some additional confidence or not? My personal opinion is this. My personal opinion is I think you keep him up here. I think you roll with the punches. And again, this comes back to you know, previous iterations of Orioles baseball. And I think back to Kevin Gossman and the Orioles yo-yoing Kevin Gossman mm-hmm. up and down, up and down, up and down. And I didn't like it back then. And I still don't like it now. And I feel like it's the same thing for me on this given situation where I don't think I want to see Grayson Rodriguez yo-yoed. I think I'd rather just say he's going to have to learn from it. He may not be the ace this year. Maybe he's a fourth or fifth starter this year. But we have to see what we got in order to make a decision on what you have to go get. Got to dance with one you brung. Yeah. Let me offer a middle way. Mm-hmm. He's only got a certain number of innings in the tank this sure. season yeah. because of the injury history. And we we talked about it earlier in the season and how it was kind of convenient in the fact that we're getting John Means. Remember, John Means is still in this club. We're going to get him back in July, allegedly. And so, you know, maybe it's going to be a, a handing of, of the baton. You know, at what point do the Orioles 
decide to shut down Grayson Rodriguez at the major league level? Is it after 120, 130, 140 innings? Maybe you skip a couple starts. Maybe you put together a couple of uh, of openers yeah. and, and you know go with some guys that have a little bit of length That's to be able to. I work kind a of am wondering that myself. I'm just like, I wonder if it's a, a, a situation where you say we're going to put you into the minors. We want you to work on these pitches. We're going to let you throw two to three innings each, and then we're going to build you back up to being a starter. No, what about here? You know, oh, here sk- skip skip him a couple times in the rotation. You know, if if he's still scuffing a little bit, it's okay. Put him in the, you know, have him throw in the bullpen that's on this regular day. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I didn't even think about that. But in essence, using the Tampa Bay model, which is like, I'm going to put you in an opener. Yeah. The only weird aspect for that from an opener standpoint is, you know, we've seen his struggles in the first inning. And it's almost like once he's in that game mode and he, in essence, calms down or gets into that mode, I don't really want to take him out at that point. So if I, I don't know, it's so tough. And like I said, I... I don't know. I think it's a question that we're going to have to start asking ourselves, though. Again, just like you said, um, the innings limit's going to approach soon. Um, I think he's going to be able to pitch, you know, 120, you know, innings is my guess this year. Um, you know, how are you going to start balancing those innings? What games do you really want to pitch in? How are you going to start skipping starts? I think this is going to be a bigger story than people are, in essence, talking about at this moment. And as brutal as I was on the front office and as, as, uh, critical as the fan base can be on the manager. I think the club has been making a lot of right decisions. Yeah. And so you kind of have to sit back and say, there's a pretty good chance they'll get this right. Yeah. However, it ends up by the end of the season, they'll, they'll probably be pretty close to right on this one. Yeah. And then winding it all down, let's go to the final aspect, which is my good. Uh, I'm going to go coward. With my, my good being the bird bath splash zone. I right. think it was a great idea. I think you saw, you know, videos come out from it. You know, we were there on Friday, you know, seeing the fans all get wrapped up. The players absolutely loved it. They were like, they were talking about it. Adam Jones was talking about it. It's like, I might have to go in, you know, be Mr. Splash for for a given game. Um, This is great. I mean, this is exactly the kind of stuff that we wanted to see for so many years of the team saying, let's go out there and get the fan engagement is the best way to describe it. You know, really whip the fans into a frenzy. Um, and again, this has also been something that has been lacking at Oriole Park for almost 30 years. The comments back in the day in the 1990s when people came to Camden Yards were like, it's a wine and cheese crowd. It's a little corporate. And it's a little corporate. And people are on their cell phones and stuff like that. Having a section that is a bunch of people that are just willing to cheer, yell, scream, and uh, in essence get a little wet. COVID hazard, no big deal. Yeah. I think it's great, and I think it's a really fun promotion, and I think it's really rallying off the character, as you pointed out, that's on this team. First of all, calling it the good for this week was my idea. Yep. I thought of it first. Yep. Oh, no. Uh, I am I am uh, interested in this. I think that the Splash Zone will evolve, mm. and I look forward to that because I agree. I think it's been fun so far, but I'm interested to see how it will evolve. For instance, mm. will it remain always a single section? I think it has to because it's of that little weird divide is the best way to put it. I I don't know that it has to remain yeah. a single section. I think if the Oreos continue to sell as many tickets as they are into that section, it might expand is the best way to put it. But next question. Yeah. Adam Jones has said, hey, maybe I need to be a guest, Mr. Splash. Yeah. 
who's on your short list oh. of Mr. Splash substitutes? Because I, I think that this has a chance of being excellent. Yeah. Let me just throw a couple at you. Sure. Adam Jones, clearly, clearly, clearly yeah. far no, and away. No doubt. Just absolute 100%. How fun would it be to see, say, Justin Tucker out there? I think Justin Tucker would do an amazing job um, in that basis. Um, some other individuals uh, that uh, should be a Mr. Splash. Uh, this is an obvious one to me. Uh, Scott Van Pelt uh, should go out there and absolutely do this. There's no question. A-news. Yeah, no, I I think that this this has legs right here. Yeah. We we need to work through the guest Mr. Splash scenario. So your your good 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 this week is the splash zone. The the bird bath splash the zone. The bird bath splash zone was my is my last good. I think it's a great uh standpoint for the fans. I think the 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 you know the front office and the the ticket agency standpoint and the box office did an amazing job with this. Um yeah, I think it's a really well played uh activity. All right, so there you have it. It the good, the good, the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. But by all means, let us know what we missed uh, for the good, the good, the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and specifically your choices for substitute Mr. Splash. And with that, let's take a quick break and come on back to Blow the Save. Scotty, I have a I have a philosophical question for mm-hmm. you. It's you know the Orioles have done so many things well, yeah, and they've made so many changes that I think have been positively received. One of them is the fact that they expanded season ticketing to be true Birdland memberships, Correct. where they they've provided the flex packages. Yep, I know a lot of people personally that got the flex pack. I know a lot of people did the flex package because they're just not sure what games to go to. Yeah. So they're like, I'm just going to pull it from my uh, my cash reserve. And that's great. I, I think that's fantastic. Good for the Orioles. You and I opted to to keep our season tickets, our, our Birdland membership. Remain rather traditional. Than the, rather than the flex, yes. you know, to each their own. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to... I'm starting to become concerned. Yeah. You and I have the, the traditional Sunday package. Yep. 13 games. I think that's what package E package from e. the old days. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're watching games on Sunday afternoons and Scotty, the Orioles, I believe are three and four Oof. on Sundays at this point. Not, not terrible, right? Yeah. Not, not anything. Not like the old days where you would go two and 15 right. or something like right. that. I'm yeah. not, I'm not pulling the, the, Caleb Joseph fire alarm just yet, right. but I I am I'm putting this out into the universe. I'm beginning to become concerned about the Sunday scaries. Yeah, I mean I think Sundays have always historically been a really bad day of the week uh, for the Orioles. I mean, you even come back to the punt lineups that we always talk about. So um, yeah, it's it's one of those matters where um, I think we just need to eliminate Sunday baseball at this point. Well, let's look at. Some of the things that have made the Orioles successful this season. Again, they're having a great season. Yep. But they are riding Adley Rutschman to the ground. To the ground. Right. Yep. And so you know that he's going to get Sundays off. Correct. And Hyde is trying to keep him in the lineup as a DH and all that kind of good stuff. But I think 
I think that the Orioles might say, you know, damn the torpedoes, let's do everything we can to win six days a week. And some days, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll give it our best, our best college go. Ooh, I, I'm starting to become concerned about Sundays. That's all. Yeah. As a, as a person that's going to be there in person, you know, the Angelos family has basically come out and said that they want to turn Camden Yards into this mecca of entertainment. And I can't think of any better way for the Angelos family and MLB to kind of come to a, you know, commiseration and or a, you know, compromise and say, yes, we're willing to pay the Nationals. But going forward, Saturdays, we want single admission double headers um, on Saturdays and we're just going to eliminate all Sunday games. Ooh, single admission double headers every week, every Saturday <sighs> and just say we're going to push everybody into Canyon Yards between the hours of four o'clock and twelve o'clock. And we're going to have beer served from 2 o'clock until 11 o'clock every Saturday. From your lips to the baseball (laughs) guys. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Snapchat. We're on the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that... Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.